Wow, what a beautiful song. With the orchestra and, and everything, thank you so much, music ministry. Thank you, choir. Thank you, orchestra. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. He's proven himself faithful over and over again, hasn't he? Has God ever been unfaithful to you? No, of course not. Have, have any of his promises ever not come to pass? No. And he's not going to start now. He's not going to start. And therein lies our reason for hope. That's the title of the sermon this morning, Romans 4, 18 through, and we'll move over into chapter 5, verse 5. You know, the, the chapter divisions and the verse divisions were not in the original manuscripts. They were added later. And I happen to think this idea, this thought that Paul has at the end of chapter 4 continues over into chapter 5. And so we're going to read from 4, verse 18, on over into 5, verse 5. It's the story of Abraham. And Paul, who is a trained rabbi, uses rabbinic argument to indicate, to prove that what happened to Abraham can also be true for us. The promises that God made to Abraham and Abraham held on to and kept his faith in and kept his hope in were not intended for Abraham only, Paul says, but also for us. And so I don't know where you place your hope. I don't know what you count on and what you depend on and what you hope for in the future. But when everything, if everything else, lets you down, this promise never will. Romans 4.18 says this, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That's the point. God promises something. Do we really believe he has the power to do what he promises? Of course. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him, listen to this, were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And now chapter 5, continuing the same thought. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's that phrase again, the glory of God, in connection with suffering. Now here's, here's some verses that a lot of you hold dear when you experience trials and suffering and, and hardship. Because this is what happens. Not only so, but we also, listen to this, rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, Character produces hope, 
And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So that's the sequence. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Because we're masochistic? No. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know they're they're going to accomplish something, that God has allowed sufferings to come into our lives to produce something. What happens? Suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. And character results in hope. What kind of hope? The hope that does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Bow with me. Father, we hope in a lot of different things. We hope in the things of this world. We place our hope in the stock market. We place our hope in other people. We place our hope in things that are transitory. And eventually, all of them will disappoint us. But there's one thing in which we can place our hope that will never disappoint us. And that's placing our hope in you. Knowing that there's a promise behind it. And when there's a promise that you've given, there is power to fulfill it. And so even in the midst of hardship and suffering and difficulty, Lord, we place our faith and our trust and our hope in thee and thee alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some years ago, a British author was delivering a lecture, a series on civilization. And one of those lectures, he said something rather startling. He said, it is the lack of hope that kills a civilization. We can destroy ourselves by cynicism and disillusion just as well as, as we can by bombs. As a matter of fact, I think an inward destruction by a loss of hope can be even more destructive than bombs from an enemy. Disillusion, cynicism, lack of confidence, lack of hope, it kills a civilization. And not only does it kill a civilization, but lack of hope can kill an institution, it can kill a church, it can kill a family. Lack of hope can kill an individual. It's often been said that where there's life, there's hope. But I think the converse of that is also true. Wherever there's hope, there's life. I've read many studies of, of Jewish men and women who survived the Holocaust in those horrible concentration camps. And the one thing that distinguished those survivors was the fact that they never lost hope. Even in the most dire circumstances, the most extreme suffering, whatever was going on around them, they clung to hope, and somehow they managed to survive. We ask for hope. We want hope. And so often I hear shallow platitudes offered for hope, things like, Look for the silver lining in every cloud. Count your many blessings. Look on the bright side of things. And that's true to a certain extent. We can always find something positive in the most, most troubling or negative or, or trifling of circumstances. 
But I want the kind of hope that perseveres in the midst of those difficult circumstances. I want the kind of hope that God offers through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sometimes we just try to convince ourselves how good things are regardless of the circumstances. And it reminds me of the story of the young father who was grocery shopping and he had his little son in the grocery cart pushing him around and the little boy was screaming his, his, his life out. He was just blood-curdling screams. And you could hear the father speaking gently under his breath, easy, Freddie, calm down, boy. It's going to be all right. We're, we're almost done. Just, just be calm, little Freddie. It's going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. Don't get upset. It's going to be okay. And a woman overhearing this man's conversation spoke an approving word. She said, young man, may I just commend you for how patient you are with little Freddie. And the young father looked up glumly and said, lady, I'm Freddie. <laughs> so it is with hope. Sometimes we try to convince, oh, incidentally, and I don't even know why I'm mentioning this, but I remember before we had children, seeing children in the checkout line at the grocery store screaming for a piece of gum or a piece of candy and, and the parent would just cave in and give it to them and Susan and I looked at each other and said, we will never do that. We'll show our children who's boss in the grocery store. It wasn't the first time that Catherine screamed for something in the line. Here, whatever, just take it. <laughs> just hush. <laughs> We're almost out of here. That's the way it is. So hope is often just trying to convince ourselves that everything's going to be okay despite the circumstances. But I want more than that. I want more than just whistling in the dark. I want more than just trying to fool ourselves into thinking that everything's fine. There's a, there's a verse in 1 Peter 3.15 that says this, be ready at all times. It says, be ready in season and out of season to give account for the hope that lies within you. And so it seems to me if Peter's talking about a hope that lies within Christians, that there must be some kind of significant hope that Christians have that non-Christians do not have. The moment we invite Jesus into our life, when he becomes our Lord and Savior and forgives us and cleanses us of our sins, there is a distinguishing feature in the life of the Christian that no one else can claim, and that is a hope that we're supposed to give an account for, the hope that lies within us. What kind of hope is it? Well, let me tell you something, friends. It's not a hope that the world knows. It's a hope that God offers. And Paul, in his argument, starts off at the end of chapter 4 talking about Abraham. Now, he's not talking about Abraham just for Abraham's sake. He's talking about Abraham because he wants us to learn a lesson from Abraham because what happened to Abraham, Paul is getting ready to apply to us. Here's the lesson. Abraham, it says in verse 18 of chapter 4, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. You know the story of Abraham and Sarah. Childless, 80, 90 years of age, God comes to Abraham and says, 
you will have a son, an heir, and you will be the father of many nations. And Abraham believed him. Now, when he told Sarah, she's the one who started laughing. She said, how can that be? Because I am past my childbearing years, 80 years old, 90 years old. And yet Abraham continued to believe in the promise of God, and it was reckoned to him as righteous. That is where Abraham placed his faith in the promise of God. Now, Paul says what happened to Abraham also happens to us. Verse 23, the words it was credited to him were not written for him alone. Verse 24, but also for us. The lesson that God had for Abraham was not intended only for him. God taking, Abraham taking God at his word and believing the impossible, that's an interesting point. God didn't tell Abraham he would have a son when he was 20. He didn't tell him he would have a son when he was 30 and Sarah was 20 because that could happen according to, to worldly standards. God waited until Abraham was in his 80s and 90s when it was impossible by world's biology for him to be a father and for Sarah to be a mother. When, when things became impossible from a worldly perspective, then God came and said, listen, this is what's going to happen. And Abraham believed that promise and it was reckoned to him. He, had, he hoped in it against all hope and it was reckoned to him as righteous. So when we talk about Abraham, what I want us to learn are three things real quickly that I've listed for you in your bulletin. And the first thing, what Abraham teaches us is that the hope that God offers, first of all, is more than just optimism. Don't get me wrong, I, I don't disparage optimism. I'd much prefer to be around somebody positive than someone who always manages to find the negative in life or is always critical and always judgmental. Man, they will pull you down in a heartbeat. But hope, the hope that God offers is more than just optimism that everything's going to work out all right. It's more than just the glasses half full. The hope that God offers is a hope that's based in his promises. What I love about the Bible is that it does not gloss over the problems and difficulties and challenges that the people in the Bible faced. You know, it could have just written that uh, everything worked out perfectly and they rode off into the sunset and lived happily ever after like so many fairy tales do. Well, friends, the Bible is not a fairy tale. And the Bible does not minimize the struggles that the heroes and heroines in the Bible experienced. No, it was in the midst of those struggles that they continued to hope and place their faith in God. And it was reckoned to them as righteous. God's promises that he makes to them are true. And his power is able to deliver on the promises that he makes. I tried to define the difference between optimism and hope so you could see the difference. And this is what I came up with. Optimism is expecting the, that things will work out the way we want them to. Optimism is expecting things to work out the way we want them to. Hope 
is expecting things to work out the way God wants them to. You see the difference? Optimism is we want things to work out a certain way. Hope is God wants things to work out a certain way. And when you place your hope in God, you'll never be disappointed. Hope is more than just optimism, friends. Secondly, hope is more than just getting everything you want. Hope is, is not just getting everything you want. I mean, if, if everything in life for you is perfect all the time, and you never have challenges, and you never have struggles, and you never have problems, you never have illness, then what's the use of hoping in God? God is much deeper, is much more than that. Now you will find, and I hate to say it, but you'll find preachers on television that preach the power of positive thinking. That everything's going to be fine, that everything's going to work out, and you just believe it and it will come true. That's not the message of the Bible. The Bible is much, much deeper than that. The message of the Bible is that God is faithful even when things don't work out the way you want them to because God's plan is deeper. What is God doing? He's using that suffering in your life even when it does not go away, when you pray for it to go away. He's using that suffer to produce perseverance. And he's using that perseverance to produce character. And he's building character up in your life because he wants to teach you about hope. A hope that is in him, a hope that does not disappoint because it is poured into our hearts by the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God, I've said this over and over again, God is a lot more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. If he were only interested in comfort, then he would let us lie down in beds of ease and line our paths with roses and everything would be perfect all the time, every day. But God doesn't always protect us from the, the evil and suffering in the world. But he uses those times to teach us about perseverance and about character and about hope. He's far more interested in producing character in our lives than comfort because character is what he is in the business of, of building in us. A character that places its faith in him no matter what. Hope is more than optimism. Hope is more than just getting everything you want. I, I knew a man one time, I heard a story about a man and boy he was building his life's dream. He was climbing the ladder of success in a company and he was making a ton of money. And he was working all the time, but things were going well in, in his perspective. And, and, you know, he was, had power, he had influence, he was just conquering the business world. And then something happened. An illness beset him. And it stripped him of everything. He could no longer work. He lost his job. And he was unemployed for several years. Eventually his health was restored, but his job was gone and he got another job and it didn't pay as much. But you know what? It wasn't as demanding either. And he was able to spend more time with his family, his wife and his small children. He was able to invest some time in his church and in his community in areas that made a difference. He was able to share with others 
his experience and the lessons that he learned from his own struggles and his own hardship, and they in turn benefited from the experience that he had undergone. So it was not a man getting everything he wanted. In the end, it was a man who got everything that God desired for him to have. It was what God wanted for his life. And that's the hope that will never disappoint us because our hope is in God. And that's the final point. Hope is not just optimism. Hope is not just being spoiled by getting everything you want. Hope depends on God. It depends not on the things of this world. I can't think of anything in this world that, that I want to build my life on. Too many shifting sands, the foundations just wash away. But I want to build my life on the foundation of the fact of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. That is what you can place your hope in. The fact of Jesus' life and death and burial and resurrection, you have that fact. And you can place your faith and your hope in that fact. And when you do so, it will be reckoned to you as righteousness, just as Abraham believing God's promise that he would have a son was reckoned to him as righteousness because he believed in the promise of God. And so can you and I, because what God did for Abraham, he can do for us. Abraham, God waited until Abraham got to the point where he could see no reason for hope, where his own resources and the world's resources were completely gone. And when that happened, when he was in his 90s and, Abra and Sarah was in her 80s and, and God came to them and promised that there would be a son and that he would be the heir and Abraham would be the father of many nations, when Abraham had nowhere else to turn, when he had no one else to depend on when he had nothing biologically to explain this, this birth. He had no one else to hold on to but God. And that's why God didn't tell him he'd have a son when he was 20. He waited until he was 90. And there was no hope from a worldly perspective. But there was hope because God promised Friends, I want you to know God's promises are true. And like the hymn we sang, tis, or the choir, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." I don't know what you're going through now in life, but the hard reality is there'll be difficulties, and there'll be suffering, and there'll be challenges, and there'll be problems but you can still place your faith in God. You can still hope in God because suffering has a purpose. And when God doesn't make it disappear, he can still use it to produce perseverance because when you persevere in the faith, it will result in building your character. And when your character grows, God is growing that character because he wants to produce in you a hope that does not disappoint because that hope is placed in the fact of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. 
And God has promised that our hope in him will, will never fail because God is in the business, business of bringing glory to his name over and over again. Place your hope in God and it will glorify him. Hope in him. Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Strengthen in faith and give glory to God. That's what God's doing. He's going to bring glory to his name. That's why his promises will be fulfilled. You can have hope in him. And you'll never be disappointed. Because when God's promises are fulfilled, it glorifies him. Not glossing over suffering, but hoping in the midst of it. In the church in 17th century England, I suppose the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church were warring against each other, and they were pretty well destroying each other's cathedrals. And it was a difficult time in the 17th century England for the faithful. Well, in 1653, a man built a church. And the inscription over the door of the church says, in the year 1653, when all sacred things throughout this nation were either demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley founded this church whose praise it is to have done the best thing in the worst of times and hoped in the most calamitous. Did you hear that? He did the best in the worst of times and still hoped in the most calamitous of times. He built a church when everybody else was destroying each other's. That's the kind of hope. And the reason we have that kind of hope is because of what God did for us in Jesus and the promise he's made to us as a result and the glory he intends to get for his name through our faith, our hope in him. There's always reason for hope in God. Let's bow together. God, how I praise you and how I thank you that when we read about people in the Bible like Abraham and Sarah and others, it wasn't just a life of ease. And they believed because faith in you made their life easier. It was a life still fraught with with struggles and hardship and suffering and yet they still had faith and they still clung to hope because of the promises you had made and the promises you made to Abraham Lord weren't intended only for him but for us also and so help us receive those promises and place our hope and trust in those promises Because even in suffering, you're about the business of building in us perseverance and character and ultimately hope, the kind of hope that will never disappoint us. 
because it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.